<laughs> we better pray quick. Lord, thanks for your presence. Thank you for touching us tonight, for meeting us tonight, honoring the worship that we've offered to you. I ask, Father, for utterance tonight and give us ears to hear. May we be receptive and thank you for perfecting that which concerns your people, each friend that's come out in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen and amen. A very interesting, uh, uh, first of all, an honor once again to be able to share. This has been a real treat to be able to, f- to, be able to follow a thread and uh, tonight I'd like to minister some, somewhat along the line of the presence of God. We had a lot of fun the last couple outings. We talked about healing in the presence of God. And uh, then, of course, Sunday morning was uh, understanding the presence of God. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but it has really revolutionized my life to take a personal approach to God, to take a personal approach to His presence. Just because God is omnipresent does not mean that you're tapping into what God is doing and how He wants to be personal with you. And we learned that, that despite the fact that uh, a lot of discussion is followed regarding His omni, uh, om, omniscient, in other words, He's powerful, and our omni, omni, uh, omnipotent is, is all-powerful, and omniscient is all-knowing. Very little is really touched on about His presence, but thank God we're learning a few things. Is that right? And we learned uh, that some Christians need to have A.D. Uh, ACD, not ADD, but ACs, they need to make their appointments with God. Is that right? And secondly, if it, the first thing is you've got to make an appointment with God if you're really going to meet with Him and really uh, encounter His presence. I think the low end could re-roll back a little bit. Sorry. Um, a, uh, B was that you need to be all there. Remember that? You've got to be all there. You know, Isaiah talked about people being there with their mouth and their lips, but their hearts were far from God. And you know, uh, interestingly enough, God does doesn't honor you with his presence unless you're seeking him with your whole heart. He said, if you seek me with your whole heart, that's how you're going to find me. So casual doesn't get it. So, but that, we, we touched those things in, in a message gone back. But tonight is a very, very, very interesting uh, uh, follow through or sequel to, to, the, to that series of messages. And my, my title tonight is The Lowly Bow, A Powerful Spiritual Act. Can everybody say a lowly bow? <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. Bowing is not something that is usual to the American culture. Uh, it's it's somewhat uh, common in uh, other countries like some Asian countries and and in in Far East countries. In fact, uh, you know uh, y- y- there was some splash that happened you know in the news media. We're not here to talk about politics, but when certain politicians went abroad and they met with uh, the the Queen of England, that there was a certain type of contact or bow that happened, and everybody's criticizing the dignitary to see if they bowed right or if they weren't supposed to. And of course, then there was the Emperor of Japan when our dignitary went there, and like, what in the world is he doing bowing to the to the Emperor? And then everybody's chit-chatting back and forth, like, this is right to do or this is wrong to do. And of course, the ultimate in chit-chat was what happened with with the uh, King of Saudi Arabia, where, where the President of the United States bent really, really down or something like this, and then there's argument, no, he really didn't bow and everything. But you see, 
a lot. That seems like just a bunch of um, uh, uh, political chit chat. But let me assure you of something. There is a validity and a power in bowing. And in the Bible, I don't know if you noticed it tonight, but all the songs that we sang tonight mentioned something about bowing. I just thought I'd theme that in there a little bit. We talk a lot about bowing in church, but I'm, I have a question for us. How much are we really bowing or do we really know what the bow is about? That might be a good, what's the bow about? That's, pretty, that's a pretty good title right there. What's this bow about? Well, first of all, let's, go, let's turn to a little story that will help to, to uh, make an impression on your memory. And that would be in Daniel chapter 3, verse 10 through 11. The story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're going to step right into the Eastern thought, or I should say the Jewish thought, back in the day when, uh, when there was a, a, a large image edified. And, of course, uh, the law went out and said, when you hear the music playing and so forth. Everyone in the realm is supposed to bow to this, to this idol. Okay, and we pick up the story there in verse 10, and we're in the King James Version. Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down, a key phrase there, falleth not down and worshipeth, uh, that he should be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Verse 16, please, of Daniel 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it so be our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. In other words, the fire is not the problem here for us because he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Somebody said, Amen. And of course, you've heard the message, if you don't bow, you won't burn. Remember that? It's a cute little cliche, you know. If you don't bow, you don't burn. If you don't bow to the wrong thing. You, but on the other hand, if you bow to the right God, you won't burn. You've got to bow to the right thing. Because everybody's bowing to something. You'll figure that out in a little bit. But, sees, but, if, if, but if not, uh, uh, be it known unto thee, O king, in verse 18, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now... It's very interesting that in that particular flame of thought, I know it's foreign to us in America, just bear with us as we try to do a little bit of of instruction here. In America, we're not, we're not really accustomed to bowing. You know, bowing in any form, like there's bowing the head, there's certain degrees. I mean, I, I read the most amazing, ridiculous rules about bowing. A 35% bow means this, and a, a more of a percentage bow means to appear, and a, and a real bow like that means to a real super dignitary. And if you get, you really go for it when you go down on a knee, and then you're bowing. And then when you really go for it, you're laid prostrate on the ground. <laughs> So there's all these little degrees, and they all mean something. Hello, to different cultures. They really mean something. But I have news for you. It means more than, it's not just a cultural thing. It is a spiritual thing when you understand when you as a Christian bow down to anything but God. Think about that. And I almost felt this by default. If you're not bowing to God, it's almost like you're forfeiting. If you don't, if you're not bowing before God, then you are forfeiting. That means you're bowing to the world system or whatever it is. We'll talk about that later. But look at what in, these boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were speaking straight out of revelation knowledge from Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. It said this, Thou shalt not bow 
thyself down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Exodus 23, 24. This was in their minds. They've been trained this way. These are Hebrew children. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods. Everybody with me so far? Nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. See, in the, in the Jewish mind, or in the Hebrew mind, I should say, when you bow down, it went along with worship. You bow down, you worship, then it goes along with, with oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, it goes down with mastery. You're giving that person mastery. That's why it was so highly criticized when certain dignitaries went to another nation and they bowed down and say, hey, wait a minute, the President of the United States does not bow down like this in servitude. Because that's kind of what these other cultures are seeing, that that's servitude like that. But let's go over to the spirit realm, okay? In the spirit realm, they understood, and God knows. That's why he said, don't bow down to strange God. Don't bow down to anything but me. Don't you bow down to recession, Christian. Don't you bow to fear. Don't you bow to terrorism. Don't bow to sickness and disease. What are you bowing to? That's what I, the big question I have for you. So anyway, to drive the point a little further, let's go to Matthew chapter 8, uh, 4, verses 8 through 10 in the King James Version. Bowing down. Everybody say bowing down. In all of its forms, whether it's going like this with your head or whether it's one knee down or both or completely prostrate, you're bowing. You're showing a form of submission to whatever or whomever you're bowing down to. Everybody follow that? Look at what, what we said here. Then so, so here's Jesus, of course, being tempted of the evil one. And in verse 8, are you there yet? Okay. Again, the devil taketh him, him being Jesus, up to an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt, what? Say the phrase. Fall down, fall down and worship me. All right, then notice, notice Jesus' rebuttal. He said, and then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. What did he say? Say it with me. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now, this is very interesting. Satan, he said, just fall down before me. Is that right? I want you to catch this. He said, if you would just fall down before me. And worship me, then I'll give you the kingdoms. Hey, they're yours. Just fall down before me. And Jesus answered him in a real interesting way. He said, thou shalt worship only the Lord thy God and him only shall you serve. Notice that Jesus didn't say anything about falling down. Did you notice that when he answered him, or, or just just me, uh, hello, a little participation here. Did Jesus say, did Jesus say, you will not fall down before the devil? He didn't say that. He just answered him, said, you will worship God only, which is to say the assumption that anybody that is a worshiper of God is going to throw himself down on the ground. And worship God that way. Or they're going to get on their knees somewhere along the line, Christian. If you're a worshiper of God, I'm not saying you have to do it in church. I'm not saying you have to do it in front of people. But somewhere in your Christian experience, there should be the component of you getting on your knees. Or you prostrating yourself before the Lord. That is a part of worship. 
It's more important than you know. This lowly thing of bowing is, is a very, very great thing. And it's very interesting. In our worship services, we do a lot of singing. We do a lot of shouting. We do a lot of things. In fact, Sunday night, we might talk about praise. We might talk about the words or the different manifestations of worship. But one of them that we're touching on tonight is the one that is, that is called Barak, which means bowing before God. And I'm trying to outline. I need the entire the entire segment to try to outline what that means to you as a Christian because on Sunday night I won't have time to go into it for like 30 or 40 minutes. Everybody with me on that? Plus, we do the other ones a lot, but we don't do this a whole lot. Can you all concur with me? I mean, we think, you know who bows down? The Catholics bow down a lot. Like, they even have little bow things. Okay, we're all going to bow down. And then they bow down. Is that right? Okay, every once in a while, we'll all come to the altar and we'll bow down. But I'm just, I still have, I still put the question out to you. Somewhere in your Christian walk, there is a place for you to bow down before God. All right, let's move right along. So Jesus said to him, you know, the whole thing about thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt you serve. A very interesting thing. Now, let me just say a couple notes about Judaism. Uh, in Judaism, it's, it's very interesting that um, as of the, uh, hmm, how can I read this kind of like history about Judaism and that. Uh, first of all, in Judaism, and they mention all these things that I can't pronounce, the Tanakh, the Talmudic, and all the Gamonim, and Arashim, and all this, I can't pronounce it. It's, they indicate that prostration, listen, prostration was, past tense, was very common among Jewish communities until some point during the Middle Ages. I find that very interesting. At some, it says it was common in their worship service for them to, to, you know, lay prostrate before God or bow and so forth until the Middle Ages. And then the Jewish worshipers stopped somewhere. It kind of dissipated and stopped. They stopped bowing before God. Are you there? Now look at, notice what it says here. And then it says in Mishaneth Torah, the, the Rambam, whatever, Rambam states full prostration. In other words, your body pressed flat to the earth, that it should be practiced at the end of this certain prayer or whatever, three times a day. All right. And then it goes on to say, I thought this was very interesting. There is a movement, I'm skipping, but there is a movement among this certain group of worshipers, these Jewish worshipers, the, the Talmud Haram Bam, sorry if I pronounced it wrong, but to revive prostration as a regular part of daily worship. There, I mean, it has disappear, disappeared from the Jewish map to such a great degree that now people are trying to revive it back. That's in the Jewish community. I wonder what's happening in the church. I said, I wonder what's happening in the church. Well, let's, let's touch this a little bit. Just, there are so many instances of people, how they're bowing, and we just kind of walk right through it. We sing about songs about bowing, but what's, what's going on here? It says in Daniel 6.10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, Daniel 6.10, and his windows being opened and his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knee three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before the God as he did a four time. So it was no big deal for him. Prayer was almost synonymous with just falling down before God. You know, it wasn't that strange to Paul either. In fact, the piece of homework that pastor has us meditating on the love of God in Ephesians chapter 3 says, therefore, since I heard of it, I, I bow my, what did Paul say? Help me. 
I bow my knees before the Father. Come on. I'm bowing down as I'm praying this. Pastor Tom, are you saying that we always have to bow down? No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that somewhere in your Christian experience, there's got to be bowing. I mean, even Jesus said, when you stand praying... You know, forgive. Remember that in, 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 in the book of Mark, after the law of faith, in, uh, in, in the book of Mark. So, so I'm not trying to put any law on you. I'm just trying to show you that there's some significance to you bowing before God. Maybe you bowing before the Lord and laying out before God may be a key that you need. Because listen, anything that helps the presence of God in your life, I'm for that. We already talked about that God's everywhere, but that's nothing because just like it said in Ephesians, you need to know for yourself personally that God will visit you. He's, and of course, the prayer was that you may come to know, right, for yourself through experience, the love of God. Is that right? For, for you to know this more. So I'm all for this. Anything that will God, to get God. And how about this? I like the tail end of our prayer assignment for this week. It says that you would have the fullest measure of the divine presence. That sounds like I'm excited now. This Puerto Rican's real excited. I'm going to run. You'll have the full measure of the divine. What have we been talking about? Like behind in the backgrounds when I've had a chance to speak to you, we've been talking about the presence of God and how to cultivate that, right? He's talking about how to cultivate the fullest measure of the divine presence of the Lord. Anybody else excited besides me? I just wondering, just, just saying. So anyway, all throughout Bible, you see, you see people that are, that are on their knees. Here's, here's a thought. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 18, in the Amplified Bible, Matthew 9.18, 9.18. Actually, there's a bunch of them. While you're turning there, let me read just a few of them, how bowing was. In Matthew 8.2, it says, And lo, a leper having come was bowing to him, saying, Sir, if thou wilt, you can make me whole. Notice, he bowed before Jesus. We, we kind of skip over that. Oh, a leper came to Jesus if you want. Yes, I'm willing. Yes, I'm willing. I'll make you whole. Yeah, but you forget the fact he worshipped him. He fell at the guy's feet. What does it mean when you fall at somebody's feet? It means that you relinquish, you relinquish all of your position and you acknowledge that this person is the leader supreme and they are the ones that whatever they say you are at, you are at their beck and call, they are the master. I don't know about you, one of my boys took martial arts and at, at, after every bout, you know, you kind of go like that. And, but when the big poobah shows up, the big dude that his pictures, the big Tuhan boobah, whatever that guy is, you know, with, with all the black belt things, when he shows up, everybody's nervous and everybody's all like this, you know. Anybody knows anything about, about, you know, martial arts. There's a lot of respect that's shown to the big dude, you know, the old grandpa that can kick anybody out and wipe them out in their hinder parts anytime without even trying, you know, the guy that's the master. This guy that was a leper came to Jesus and said, you're the black belt of healer, healing. And he threw himself down and he worshiped God. I wonder what would happen if we start worshiping God that way. Instead of worrying... Instead of worrying about getting your bills paid, I wonder, I just, I, I'm just saying, I wonder what would happen if you threw yourself down at Jesus' feet. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider, and the Lord's provision shall be seen. I wonder what would happen instead of wringing your hands, you'd put yourself down on the, on the floor and worshiped him that way, just like the leper did. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody, don't stay up late at night worrying about paying bills. Dear saint, get yourself in a posture of worship. 
Don't let the, don't let the, I, I just sense you're, we're bowing all right by default to the wrong thing. When you're, when you're staring at the ceiling at night, you're worshiping the devil and you're worshiping the world system. But instead of that, get, get up out of that bed in that place of prostration and prostrate before God and worship him as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord's provision shall be seen. Hallelujah. Well, what happened to the leper when he worshiped Jesus? And Jesus said, if you're willing, of course, Jesus was willing. He says, I will be thou clean. What happened to him? Let's move ahead. I know you're holding something for me. Look at in Matthew 9:18. While she was, weren't we there? Where are you at? My 9:18. And behold, the leper came up to him. Pros- what did he do? Prostrating. Well, he said kneeling down. So he chose there that he's kneeling down. Worshipped him. And well, let's just look over here. While he was talking this way to them, behold, a ruler. So here's a ruler, dude. In other words, a person of high position. And we already know from our introduction that there's certain degrees that you do. This means, hello, yeah, it's nice to see you. We're peers. This means, hello, you're more of a top dog. This means, dude, you are it. I just, ah, you are the master, dude. Oh. It says, kneeling down. Well, it looks like he kneeling down. He didn't quite. There's others that threw, don't, don't worry, we'll get to that where they threw him down. He kneeling down. He humbled himself. Think about this, a ruler humbling himself. This is a public official, people. He's got the nice Esau Laurent suit on, okay? He just showed up in his Porsche, and then he goes up to Jesus, suit or no suit, Porsche or no Porsche. He's bowing and kneeling before Jesus and says, help. I'm worshiping you. I'm kneeling down, and I am acknowledging you. I'm worshiping you, and I acknowledge that I can't do nothing for my daughter. Doctors can't do anything for my daughter, but I worship you because I know that you can help me. I know you can help me and I'm worshiping you as such. I'm acknowledging you. Hallelujah. And you know, if you go to Romans and it talks about yielding your members, this is an exciting teaching. I don't have all day on it, but will you just hang with me for about 20 minutes or 25 minutes? In Romans 6, it talks about who, whose servants you yield your members. Those you become them to obey. That's, that's a direct exposition on domination. If you yield yourself and you bow to sin, it will dominate you. If you bow to fear and worry, it will dominate you. If you bow to sickness and disease, it will dominate you. But if you bow to Jesus Christ, he'll liberate you. Hallelujah. Oh man, I wish I had time. You know, there's another thing. There's another section in, of scripture in the book of uh, in the book of it, it's it's actually the worshippers, uh, the covenant of the worshipper. It's called in, in Psalms 86, and he says in the covenant in the covenant of worship, it says there shall no in uh, Psalms 81 verse 9 there shall no strange god be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange god. So part of worship is to acknowledge lordship, or how about acknowledging defeat? Acknowledging defeat is the same as just submitting. Like, like when somebody when somebody did a, a a fight in the ring and so on, and you lost, and you acknowledge you're the top dog. Yeah, are you gonna? You are not to acknowledge defeat to the devil ever, Christian. Ever, 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 ever. Get this. You never acknowledge he's the defeated one. The best thing to do if you're hurting about something is to turn around and worship God and bow before Jesus and declare His Lordship over your life. 
Not some demon spirit. Look what it says. There shall no strange be God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I should have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. In other words, I would have done this if they would have obeyed this thing, this what we call the covenant of the worshiper. And notice what it says uh, in verse 16. He should have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey out of the rock. Uh, should I have satisfied these? In other words, these are things that would have happened if there wouldn't have been a strange God among you. Well, Pastor Tom, what do you mean a strange God? We have no idols in our house. Well, I mean, what are you entertaining in your house? You see, when you entertain spirits, like pastor's been preaching on love, are you entertaining a spirit of strife in your house? Are you entertaining bitterness? You know, I'm not saying a Christian is demon-possessed, because you can't, cannot be. You can certainly be oppressed, but you can invite that into your house by opening your blab mouth and, co- and cooperating with that spirit, or really any spirit like that. It could be a spirit of poverty. You can cooperate. You mean I can cooperate with the devil? Yes, you can. I mean, Peter cooperated with the devil. He says, be it far from you, Jesus, basically from following the plan of God. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, for thou savorest not that the will of God. You see, so any, any one of us could be lured away to think a little something that's not quite on. And you just blurt it out and decree like if you think you know what you're doing and actually step away from the plan of God for your life. And actually, you can, you can bring, catch this, you can bring the influence of something that's not of God. Everybody say nog, nog, not of God into your life. You could bring fear like, you know, what happened recently on, you know, just a couple days. Actually, we're still America still reeling and so are world markets over the recent crash. But the fact of the matter is, if you allow that fear to grip you and your confidence is in the world markets, you're going to you're inviting a spirit of fear and lack into your life. I'm not saying put your head in the sand. I'm saying turn around and start worshiping God right away, immediately. Acknowledge Him that He's the Lord of the earth. Acknowledge Him that He's your provider. Worship Him. Get up and, well, dance and shout. Hallelujah. But tonight we're talking about bow down before Him. Yield yourself in that way to God. Oh, hallelujah. So anyway, let's talk about bow. The, de- the basic definition is to bend the head, the knee, or the body in a token of reverence or submission. Whenever you're bowing, you're submitting yourself. It's an act of submission. Often, uh, you know... Uh, often, you know, an inclination of the head, bending the body, token of reverence, respect, uh, obeisance, or to show deep humility. Didn't God say, humble yourself before under the mighty hand of God? So if, if that's true, if humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and then He will lift you up, if that's, what is the, what is the fastest way for you to get promoted on the job? Humble yourself before God. To, and from what we saw, one of the definitions is bow before God. You know, it's interesting. All the patriarchs that God took from the dungeon all the way up to the top positions in the land, they all were men and women that bowed before God. Just a thought. Just a thought, Christian. I wonder if that lousy situation at work wouldn't turn around for you if you just start bowing before God and worshiping Him. Instead of some drive-by prayer, you make your appointment, get in the room, shut that door, lie down before God, stretch yourself out and say, God, I'm yours. And I, I on purpose, humble and prostrate myself before you. Oh, He'll honor that. Oh, hallelujah. I'm feeling something tonight. 
Psalm 95 verse 1 through 6 says this, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Oh, we know about that. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. And let's make a joyful noise unto Him. Chris knows something about that. Hallelujah. With Psalms. And the Lord is a great God, a King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is also his. The sea is his and the, he that, it is he that made it and his hands formed the dry land. Now, verse 6, read that with me please. Psalm 95, 6. Can you read that with me? Ready? Read. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Isn't that interesting? The psalmist said that. We talked about the covenant of the worshiper. Anybody getting blessed so far? Hallelujah. You know, when you say that you're going to kneel before the Lord your Maker, there's two Hebrew words, or I should say one Hebrew word particularly that, that we will relate to that's called the Barak, which means to kneel or bow, to give reverence to God as an act of adoration. It implies, I love this, implies a continual conscious giving place to God. To be attuned to Him and His presence. I really like that. You know Pastor Tom likes that. I'll see you again. To be attuned to Him and His presence. We're trying in this church to all move together in the presence of God. You know, if His presence doesn't go there, then we don't want to go. Is that right? We've talked about it. We've taught about it. We've sang about it. And recently, we're beginning to really flow more and more. I'm talking about more of us flowing more and more in that. Is that right? Flowing in this thing where we are being led by His presence. And unless you practice His presence, I just I really, really hope that you are practicing His presence. By the way, again, our assignment, which was to go through Ephesians chapter 3, you know, verse 14 and such, uh, for, for um, meditating on the love of God. We need a revelation of His love, but it starts out with what? It starts out with, I bow my knee. I wonder if it would enrich your worship life that much more if every once in a while you didn't just bow down before the Lord. How many of you can remember an experience in God where you bowed before the Lord? You know, I remember, let me just, I just feel to share just a little story here. You know, in the times where Pastor Tom has been in the most trouble of his whole life, I found myself that the only thing that would do was just laying out before God. Sometimes I would feel I have no strength to face this. And I'd get down before God and I would literally, i just lay down. Sometimes I'd waken in sometimes really, really early in the morning. Not by choice, you know. Trouble's knocking at my door. I wonder if trouble knocks at anybody else's door besides PT. And I would lay myself, I'd go down to my little room downstairs, shut the door, and I'd just lay myself down before God. And sometimes, sometimes I'd pray in the Holy Ghost. Other time I'd just open the scripture to something that He would say and I'd just, I'd just roll that over in my heart. Sometimes I'd just weep before God. Other times I'm just waiting for Him to do something. Because you know, friends, honest to goodness, sometimes unless God something does something, you're sunk. Is that right? <laughs> I said, unless God does something, you're sunk. And what better way to show like, uncle, okay, already uncle, you just get on your face before God. Can I just go somewhere with this? Let me go somewhere with this. There's a little song we sing here that I know in faith circles, they don't like these words. It's the heart of worship. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. Don't apologize to God. We're a faith church. 
You know, the fact of the matter is, we've gotten too cocky and arrogant in our modern worship world. Can I just level with you a little bit? I mean, we just, we just, we think, oh, worship was real good. The electric guitars were out. They were really weighing on. They were really jamming. And, and people in the congregation are just standing there going, say what? And, and some people are getting like rocking out and enjoying it. Other people are kind of standing there and staring. And it's like the musicians are in some other planet or something. <laughs> and unless you, listen, unless, unless you hear the song on the radio, you don't want to do it in church. We want to do something that's really, you know, that we heard on the radio. That's, that makes us really hep. Well, believe me, nobody can be more hep than Pastor Tom. Somebody said yes. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love, I love every part of it. I love, I love the the, the, the the new music. I love the old music. I love it all. I I have a bunch of kids that, as far as I'm concerned, I've adopted them all. They're my kids now, and I love them all. And there's other people. I they're my moms here on the platform. And I adopt them all. Whoever it is, they're all. My, they're, we're all worshiping family. Isn't that right? But I have, I have news for you. The Bible talks about one generation will, will shout or shabak their praise to the other generation and something that's relevant to you. And you know, I, I just, I'm so glad at some of the turn that we finally turned the corner a little bit. We're, we're just mixing it up. We're allowing the hymns to come back in because we're supposed to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Is that right? Did you notice that there's been an increase of the anointing lately? I'm, I'm just asking. Do, you don't have to say, yeah, that's for true. No, for real. Is, hasn't there been an increase in the anointing? Absolutely the truth. Well, what, what, what are you saying, PT? Well, what I'm saying is, I believe that, that when we understand that worship is about Him and not about us, then we will allow ourselves to, to flow in whatever capacity He wants us to, even if it's the song from our generation or not. Hello. And even if it's a sound that we don't, that we're, we're not familiar, don't worry, your sound will come up sometime. We're working on that. Hallelujah. But the thing is about it is, are you connecting, are we connecting with God? Or is this more of a concert? Are we right back to that cyber worship again? Remember we talked about? We're talking about people, we're so used to uh, virtual reality that, pinch me, but it doesn't work that way in church. You have to worship God for yourself. You have to sense God's, you have to invoke God's presence yourself. Listen, in the same way that when they let down that invalid down through the roof, the presence of God was present to heal. It was there, if you will, omnipresently type, you know. Actually, it was more than omnipresent. It was, the presence was there to heal all of them. But it wasn't except the dude that came down through the roof that was cognizant and made the connection. And it's important for you to understand, God is moving in churches all around the earth, as including this one. Somebody said, thank God. And you know, unless you make the connection, everybody got to, you have to connect with God. When we're in a, in a time of communion with Him, if you don't make the connection, we're in trouble. You're in trouble. You need to connect with God. Somebody said, Amen. amen. Listen, when you're bowing down, oh, come, let us worship and bow down, said the psalmist in 95, verse 6. Uh, it says, come, let us bow, worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. It's crucial for you to understand that when you're bowing down, you are surrendering to the will of God. You're yielding yourself to the will of God. You're, you're yielding your position and your possession to the power of another. You're delivering up on demand anything that he has required of you. Amen. Somebody said amen. amen. 
So you give up, you know, your disease for his healing at a time like that. Hello. You give up your poverty at a time like that. Hello. You give up your heartache at a time like that. When the master of healing hearts shows up and says, bow before me and you bow down, you give up your broken heart to take his healed heart. Hello, somebody. That's what you do. Oh, hallelujah. See what else we got here. What else you got here? You give yourself, you give up your will. Hello, you give up your will to the will of another. So that's what you're doing. Well, you know, as good as your will could be, as good as you could think that you could think of a plan that would propel you to make you the happy. How many want to be happy in life? I want to be happy. Absolutely the truth. And you see, no matter how good your plan is to try to make yourself happy, it will never compare to his will for your life. He already promised you in Jeremiah 29, he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. They're thoughts for good and not evil. To give you hope in your final outcome. Is that right? God has good things in store for you. They are already reserved and he's trying to guide you into them. And guess what? A lot of times we have to give up our own ideas to get there. So that means that the altar of worship, when you're bowing before him and you're saying, your thoughts are better than my thoughts. Your plans are better than my plans. When you're bowing like that and you're making the spiritual statement that his plans are better than your plans and his thoughts are better than your thoughts, his ways are better than your ways, then he's able to manifest those ways to you. But you see, he can't do that if you're proud. See, the Lord resists the I like what First Peter says. He says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That he may, well, how is it that God exalts you in due time? That while you're in a state of humility, and we already learned that bowing is one of the, I, I can't make an empirical statement here, but one of the best ways that I know how to humble yourself is to bow. I mean, we, we even know this kind of colloquially like, oh, yeah, you're sorry. Okay, come here, kiss my feet. Come on, kiss my feet, kiss my feet, kiss my feet. Okay, now believe it. Friends, you know what? People, people kiss Jesus' feet. They did. I wish I, wish I had time. But there was, there's places where people, the, the, the woman that was the Canaanite, the one that had such great faith in Jesus, ignored her. And, says, and Jesus, get rid of this lady, you know. And she says, he says, my, you know, the healing, the, the healing only belongs to the, uh, to the, you know, the children of Israel, not to the children, not you know, the outsiders. She goes, yeah, but even the, even the, even the children have dogs. Throw me a crumb, dude. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm there. Yeah. Well, you're a dog. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm your dog, and I'll take it. I'll take it. Because woman, your faith is great. I want you to know something. The scripture translation there is, she threw herself down. At his feet. And he, and you know, she, she put herself down there. So when you say, oh, kiss my feet. You know, for real. You better be kissing the right feet, friend. You better be kissing Jesus' feet. Hallelujah. <laughs> Humble yourself at his feet. Oh, we sing songs. At your feet. At your feet. Don't we? That's a Clint Brown song. Great little song. But people don't understand. What are you doing? You're humbling yourself. Before that person or before the Lord. Hallelujah. And guess what you get? Everybody that has humbled themselves before Jesus. Here's just a thought. From what I've seen in scripture, every person that humbled themselves enough to bow down before Jesus got what they needed. I, I haven't seen yet in scripture where people bowed down before Jesus and they didn't get what they came for. <laughs> 
So the leper, they got cleansed. The Canaanite woman, her daughter was healed. The lepers, crying out, falling down, they got cleansed. The, the guy, that, the dude that was blind, he got his sight. Everybody that worshipped, throwing themselves down before the Lord, they got what they came. You suppose there's something to this? Of bowing yourself down and declaring lordship over you? You better, somebody said yes. yes. Hallelujah. Well, I trust you, you're getting blessed somewhat with this. Back to Ephesians 3.14, our assignment for this week. For this reason, uh, uh, seeing the greatness of His plan by which you're built together in Christ in the Amplified Version, the Apostle Paul said, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to pray the prayer, absolutely awesome in the Amplified Bible. Now here's what's so cool about when you yield yourself and you humble yourself like that. You know, well, I have a few minutes. I'll just take a couple minutes. Those of you that are bound by anything, those of us that are bound by, let's say someone is bound by drugs at the moment. There is actually, it's not just a physical thing, friend. It's not just physical. There's actually, you have have, um, forfeited and you're actually allowing that other spirit to dominate in your life. By forfeiting your worship of Christ. I just really am convinced that if people would bow before God in an act of worship and give Him the Lordship and do what Romans 12, 1 and 2. In addition, of course, you've got to renew your mind. Somebody said, you know that's right. Renew your mind. And offer up to Romans 12, 2, where it says, offer every bit of your faculty unto Him. But you know what? Do it on your knees. Do it on your knees. There's something to that. Hallelujah. And so, I think I'll close with reciting just some hymns. And as you, just think about this. Because in coming days, you are going to hear some songs about kneeling down. And I'm just, just let it remind you of tonight's session tonight. And how much richer your experience in God. And how much greater your victory could be if you're kneeling before the Lord. If you made that a part of your devotion to Him. It's called Barak. It's one of the words of worship. And people throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, in fact, you can't hardly get in the book of Revelation. The 24 elders are just throwing, every five seconds, they're throwing themselves down before God's feet. Like, there go, and then the 24, oh, there they go again, they're on the ground. Okay, well, let's go to the next people. Oh, there goes those, they're down before the Lord. Anybody standing, whoa, here I go, whoa. I, I guarantee you. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a whole lot of kneeling and falling and bowing before God. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate. Put, the, put it up there, the words, if you don't mind. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem, which is a symbol of authority. And hail him, Lord of all. Hail Him and, and bring forth a royal diadem and crown Him Lord of all. Don't you have all hail the power of Jesus' name up there? Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at His feet may stand up. No, may fall. Oh, friends, it's a joy when we get to heaven. But I'll guarantee you, when we're all in heaven and my face on heaven's ground, and I'm, I'll be looking over there and say, Hey, you know what, Jackie? Remember that time over there? Yeah, here we are. Hey, praise God. (laughs) We're going to remember that it'll be a joy 
to honor him and bow before a God that's loving, caring, all-powerful, and has nothing but good for you. You worship him. Don't, make, don't allow any room for strange gods among you. And everybody say, everything is going to be all right. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of that tonight? Hallelujah. So again, this, the title tonight is The Lowly Bow Us, A Powerful Spiritual Act.